going on, everybody? Live from Los Angeles, although I've been uh, traveling a bit and it was nice to be home for a little while and uh, getting ready to go travel again. Won't be back east. I don't know. I'm supposed to be back at some point. The talk was that I was going to be coming back in April, Saruti. So if for that's what? The case, What's going on? Like, to do some Van Pelts or? Well, I don't think they're going to want me on Get Up after Greeny's horrible Harden is the MVP take. And not to say that Harden isn't the MVP. I think we should do this in the beginning because here's the thing. Greeny's take was that Harden is the MVP and it, and it should not be debated. Which breaks and, your one of your main rules of like whenever you say it's not close, then I don't take your argument seriously. Yeah, and that's the thing is whenever anybody says it's this and it's not even close, it's almost always close. You know? Yeah, I think Giannis is the MVP, so that, <laughs> that tells you everything I think you need to know. I can make an argument for both, and it's so in my head. It's kind of like when Cannell said that that Uh-oh. the Big Ten West was the best division in college football, and it's not even close. <laughs> you were like, what? What do you mean it's not even close? Up, like it, it can be debated. No? <laughs> that, that's like, that's no. what everyone's doing. What do you mean, no? That's a no? Danny that's said right. it's a no, so we can't. We're no longer debatable. Right. Uh, by the way, it's Big Ten East. I'm an idiot. I was, Ever since Legends and Leaders, I always screw it up. All right, let's read an ad. I love the Dollar Shave Club has everything I need to look and feel and smell my best. What I love even more is the fact I never have to go to a store. That's because, one, Dollar Shave Club delivers everything I need right to my door. And, two, they keep me fully stocked on what I use so I don't run out. Here's how it works. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready no matter what you're getting ready for. They have you covered head to toe for your hair, your skin, your face. You name it, they have it. And they have this new program where they automatically keep you stocked up on the products you use. You determine what you want and when you want it, and it shows up right at your door from once a month to once every six months. That's what I do for uh, a bunch of the different stuff, not the hair products, but the toothpaste deal. That's what's cool about it is that some of these places are like, oh, we'll give you the discount on the every month thing, but with Dollar Shave Club, it's like, no, we understand some guys are by themselves. Some guys do travel. Some guys are just frugal with their toiletries. We have different plans for every one of you guys. Um, it's really easy with the toothpaste deal because you can have that sent to you. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys brush your teeth incessantly. That's great. That's really great if you have a partner. Um, updated term there. None of this is even in the script, but I know the guys at Dollar Shave Club aren't going to care because basically fresh breath, peppermint flavor, all of that stuff, you can have it showing up every month, every few months. Okay. They also have the handsome discount, which means the more you buy, the more you save. And right now, they've got a bunch of starter sets you can try for just $5, like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at a regular price. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter set for just $5 right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. And very simple, if you buy toiletries, which is literally every single person here, if you want your life to be easier and you actually save money and you want to promote the podcast and Saruti's life style, just go to Dollar Shave Club. It's kind of exciting, you know? If, if you don't have any friends and no one ever sends you any mail, well, here you go. You just sent mail to yourself. Here's the plan today. We're doing Mel Kuyper Jr. for about a half hour. Talk draft. His first round mock is up on ESPN.com. We also are going to do the first installment of our life coach series with Frank from Arkansas. And he sent in a doozy of an email, but I'm not sure how much help he really wants. So, ooh, mysterious, right? 
I think it'll be all right. I don't know if people are going to like the content or not, but every time we do it, we'll do it at the back end of the podcast. Look, Suri, we know people are going to like it. We also know that people are going to go, oh, you know, this is stupid, stick to sports. Real simple. You don't have to listen to that part of it. We'd appreciate it if you did, but yeah, it's, we'll I see mean, how it goes. We put it at the end. If you if you enjoy that kind of thing, which I think most of, of the listeners most do, will. then hang on. Right. If not, just listen to Mel. It's okay. Yeah, right. We'll get through it. Before we do any of that stuff, yeah, the I could go rapid fire stuff. The Giannis Harden thing. I feel like Harden carried a team through a brutal stretch when they had all these injuries, and now their record overall is as good as almost anybody. Giannis, if you did the per thirty six, it's more impressive. But then, isn't that the whole point? That if Harden is playing all of these minutes and doing all these things, then why are you going to reward Giannis for playing less minutes? Giannis has had probably steadier teammates, even though Chris Paul should be on paper better than anybody that's on the Milwaukee Bucks, but Bledsoe's been really good. We could go to the head-to-head thing. That's stupid. It doesn't mean anything. Although it felt like after Harden had 61 this weekend, and everybody's like, no, it's Harden. I am so self-doming myself with the in my own head about this argument. I've changed my mind a million times. The hard thing for me to get past is the two-way player part of it. And that Giannis, he's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. So when people do the could he win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and how rare that is, it's extremely rare. But there's just still like three better options, I think, than him. But he's in that conversation and Harden isn't. So what am I really doing? So those are the days where I feel like it's Giannis. But then I have days where I go, am I not voting for Harden? Because I've admitted how annoyed I can be by the game that he plays despite also being amazed. So then would I vote for Harden because I don't want to be guilty of feeling like I'm biased towards Harden? Here's the deal. I don't have a vote, so nobody really has to worry about it anyway. But it is an extreme – it's as debatable as any topic. It is as worthy of debate as any single sports topic of the last year. So to argue your side that the other guy isn't even worthy of conversation means you've eliminated yourself from the topic. Sorry, Greeny, who is a friend. But it's also the job too, you know. Yeah, you gotta come out and say something you know, that's gonna catch people's you know ear and eye, and you, know, right. you see a tweet, and you're like, "Whoa, I gotta click on this." Right. If I were on a TV show, which is again one of my things, they'd be like, "Which side do you want?" I'd be like, "Well, I could argue either one." And I'm still not sure. Oh, great! It's like we got you booked today. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about a little magic minute? Because you were yes. a salty little magic fan last night, and well, then boy, did things turn around. Yeah, I mean, it was it's. It was probably the biggest game of their season because if they lose that game, they're a game and a half out of the playoffs, and they obviously won it, so they're a half game up. At, they're there the eight go. seed right now, um, and they got they go down seventeen early. They couldn't hit a shot. Miami was hitting everything, and I don't even think that Miami Heat team is good at all. I feel like they have a lot of the same guys. They actually they also have like three guys that are like first team all bad hair. It's just a confusing roster to begin with. But Magic kind of came back. They were awesome in the third quarter, just like they were the night before in Philly. And they're the eight seed right now. And I'm, you know, listen, I, I think, I think that they've won their last six games. I said on the pod that everyone laughed at me that they're going to be annoying. They're going to be an annoying out if they get the eight seed. If they beat, they play the Pistons, what? I think on Thursday. If they beat the Pistons, they're the seven seed. So they could be climbing up here. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying it could be an annoying out in the first round of the playoffs. Having said that, they'll probably not miss the playoffs because I just jinxed it. They should make the playoffs. Yeah, they 100% should. Did you just go over the schedule? Well, no. So they they, they have the easy schedule. They play the Pistons next. Okay. Uh, Miami has Boston back to back. So if Boston decides that they want to be good, that could be a problem. But I don't know though. I mean, you I don't know. know if Kyrie just sat, yeah, Kyrie sat the Cleveland game, so that means you're probably getting him for both of those. 
here's the weird thing is that as much as I've been down on Boston and everything, I still don't think the Pacers, if you look at who the Pacers have beaten, and it looks like on paper like the OKC win is a good win, but the Thunder are a mess. They've been a mess now for a few weeks. Like I, All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. I think I have to look at Houston as the team, and I'm sorry, Denver, but I look at Houston now as kind of the most challenging team to the Warriors, and that certainly didn't feel the way at least halfway through the season. But with Milwaukee's injuries, I'm going, well, wait a minute. What's going to happen here? Like, Is it going to be, will Philly beat Toronto, and could Boston beat Milwaukee if after they beat the Pacers? Like that doesn't, and then I still might not think Boston's any good because it'll be the Pacers and a, and a Milwaukee team. Now, look, if Giannis is as good as we think he is, he probably should be able to carry Milwaukee against a Boston team that's been, you know, I hate to be quick to judge these things, but I don't know when it's like 75 games or really frustrating basketball and I'm still not sure who you are. I think that's enough evidence, but again, I've been called too quick to judge and that they're just going to turn on that switch in the playoffs. All I know is that this is way better. This is so much more entertaining in the excitement, the uncertainty in the East than oh, we have had in a really awesome. long time. The East is the East playoffs is, Make, are going to be awesome. Put that on a shirt. What's the up? East is awesome. <laughs> the East is back, folks. It only took twenty years. We're back. <laughs> That'd be great. You should do that as a fake tease, or just sell that, sell that to Will today to be like, we got to do a segment where it's is the East back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> you should please do that. I really like the Seth Greenberg segment that you did with him oh, yeah. going over. Because whenever any of us that are really, really outside of a world, and I understand the college football world better than I do the college basketball world, but like that was always one of those Gottlieb things where you go, okay, what are the best destination jobs or what are these? And the guys that are really in it, especially a guy like Seth who coaches the ACC as long as he did, he knows which ADs, which boosters, which facilities, which you know pipeline recruiting thing. We're... Where are the places where it works? And Will did what? He put together his five worst. Yeah. Top college. Five, top five worst college basketball programs to like build a winner at. And so what did he have as the worst one? He had Nebraska, Northwestern, Washington State, Penn State, Rutgers in that order. He really was down on Penn State. And I'm not going to I was you. really down on Penn State. I thought Penn State should have been number one in like flying away because my, my argument would be it's, it's a, Obviously, red, predominantly a football kids. school. A ton, a ton of redheads, you know. Who, who are the redhead hoopers? Name name one. Well, and- <laughs> the best. Honestly, Kevin Herter. Oh, you get Clay Thompson light. I forgot. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Best 12-year-old I've ever seen playing in NBA game. <laughs> he, is, he is great. Have he you seen amazing. his celebrations lately? Uh, no, nah, I can't. I can't say I have. I don't watch a ton of Hawks games, to be honest with you. I'm confused about this Trey Young for Rookie of the Year thing, but that could be a discussion for another day. Well, no, I like I went through every one of the numbers and did it. And Doncic's shooting has been so bad, and you know he had a tough go of it. I watched them close that game to Sacramento and lose last night. He, the Trey Young Doncic Rookie of the Year debate is a real debate too. It's totally, I and mean, that that seemed if you go the first couple months of the season to say, you know what, as we're closing out March, you may be undecided on who Rookie of the Year is between Doncic and Trey Young. That seemed impossible. So anyway, that segment was good. But what I was really surprised as I watched some of the college basketball guys on TV this morning, I need you guys to be better about who Duke is and who Duke isn't. Because when I'm not watching them all season long, and then I start cranking it up the last month or so, I kept saying to myself, wait a minute, they can't shoot. And Barrett hasn't been as good. Reddish disappears. The point guard is a non-offensive player. They have no bench. 
They have no shooters. So to see them struggle in a second-round matchup against UCF, like when everybody's like, they're the money, that is a classic example of the public and getting to the party late and Duke has Zion back and Vegas setting the number to deal with all the money they were going to take on Duke from all the guys that just show up and be like, I'm going to bet Duke because Duke's awesome. They're not an awesome basketball team. I guess they could still win this whole thing, but to see them chat, like I'm hearing now college basketball guys go, oh, they can't shoot. Where were you? Where were you the whole time when they could? They're terrible that way. So as great as Zion is, and he's so much fun, and he's also rising to the occasion, which to consistently do it the way he's done it to close out the ACC tournament and to do it in that second-round matchup, like, I just love those guys. Be like, yes, I'm the best, but I'm also going to be, I don't know, really good in a close game and show that I am totally unfazed by all this stuff. That part of it makes me like him a lot, but I guess I'm looking at some of the college basketball guys going, why were you all picking Duke when Duke's flaws were there the entire time? Like, were you not watching certain stretches like I wasn't watching when I was watching all NBA games? So, anyway, a little college basketball for you What's up? on a Wednesday. What else do we need to do? Let's talk to Mel. Did you know that the average interest rate on credit card debt is over 18% APR? Have you looked at your interest rate today? Now, here's the deal. I got in a little bit of financial trouble when I was younger. Not major. Nothing illegal. Just wasn't great with stuff. The grown-up stuff. And then you start looking at these APRs, and you just want to ignore it. And you're like, ah, oh, man, when's this going to go away? Well, it doesn't go away. There's no magic fairy that eliminates all these problems until you man up and address your problems. That's part of getting older. Where you go, you know what? I'm going to solve this. And it's amazing how much better you feel when you go, hey, I'm doing, I'm, I'm taking the right path. I'm doing the steps. And part of that is trying to find a way to consolidate any of that credit card debt that you may have with a loan from Lightstream. You can get a rate as low as 6.14 APR with auto pay. The rate is fixed, so it's never going to go up. You get a loan from 5,000 to 100,000. There are no fees. So, like I said, there are bad options and then there are better options and Lightstream is one of them. When you have good credit, you deserve great service and a low interest fixed rate loan from Lightstream. That's lending uncomplicated. You want to save even more? My listeners get an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is go to lightstream.com slash Russillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. That's lightstream.com slash Russillo, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Russillo. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes a .50 auto pay discount, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Rosillo for more information. Mel, long time, man. Really, uh, really happy to get this chance to talk some draft with you. So let's just get to it. Um, mm-hmm. when I think about quarterbacks over the years, I just know how hard it is. It's, it's hard, whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's the guys that are running these teams, but how have you, kind of changed the way you've evaluated the position, seeing that the rules seem to be different now, even if it still is challenging. Yeah, it really is hard, Ryan, and it's great to be with you. Um, I think you look at the quarterbacks now, I almost call some of these guys wild cards. I did with Mayfield, I did with Manziel, I'm doing it with Kyler Murray, because they're just different, and you have to evaluate them differently and change your whole mindset as to how you used to, back in the day, evaluate quarterbacks. The league has changed, the rules have changed, everything's changed. So you can't think 
old school. You can't think 70s, 80s, 90s, even the early to mid-2000s, you can't think that way. So now you got to think 2019. It's games changing every year. And I think for Kyler Murray and some of these quarterbacks now, it's a different entity. Uh, you got to adjust. Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, made Kyler Murray a lot of money. I think the perfect storm of Cliff Kingsbury, you know, being the Arizona coach, made him the number one pick. And it obviously hurt the Oakland Athletics and Billy Bean, who ended up losing that uh, top ten pick in, in baseball with nothing to, in compensation coming back, but that was the risk they took. But in terms of Kyler Murray... I don't think Kyler Murray types are coming along, Ryan, every year or every five years. He's, he's unique, uh, but I think the league has allowed a 5'10 quarterback now to be viewed not only as a first-round pick, but the number one pick overall, which is pretty amazing. What scares you about his game? Nothing. Nothing. I, I said about three months ago, if he were six foot tall or 5'11", he'd have been the number one pick guaranteed. This is before Kingsbury, okay? So once Kingsbury became the coach, you figured, and once he, he was 5'10", not 5'9", 5, 5'8", 5, and three quarters, you figured, okay, he's, he's got a pretty, a real, a pretty, maybe a 50-60% chance of being the number one pick. Now it looks like it's 95%. So again, uh, nothing against Josh Rosen, but they have to assess is, is do I want Kyler Murray to run this offense, which isn't going to put an emphasis on Max protection. If you think back, these college coaches, Ryan, they don't respect protection because in college you get away with that. You got one guy to really worry about. Okay, so you can you don't have to worry about Max protecting. And in, in the NFL, it's all about that. And I think they don't adjust quick enough. And if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you need that mobile quarterback. That offensive line was horrible last year anyway. It's going to get a little better, but it's not going to be great. So I think uh, he he has a choice. He's got the number one pick. Do you feel that Cliff if Cliff Kingsbury? Do you feel that Kyler Murray is your guy or Josh Rosen's your guy? The guy you inherited that you didn't have anything to do with drafting. And I got to believe Kyler Murray's his guy. Trade Josh Rosen for a first round pick or an early to mid second round pick, whatever you can get. Be happy with it and move on. So if you say what scares me with Murray, you know, five ten, five ten and a half, which Russell Wilson it was, half inch, three quarters of an inch. Is that going to determine anything? No. Um, Kyler, I don't think baseball is a fallback plan. I think he's all in on football. It was the concern: is he going to just give it a shot for three years, see how it goes, then go? But baseball could be four years just getting out of the minor league. So I don't think you you want to go that route. So I think he's all in on football, which was the only concern Ryan anybody had. Once they knew that, and you're okay with the five ten being suited for today's NFL perfectly, then. Everything else from a mechanical standpoint, you know, being able to make any throw you want, p- throw from the pocket. Uh, Todd McShay, Todd had this great stat where, you know, quarterbacks over uh, six feet tall or six one have more passes batted down than the quarterbacks that are six one, six footer or shorter. So you see Joe Flacco was six six, gets a lot of passes batted down. So you're throwing through lanes and it's an instinctive thing and it's an arm angles and he does all that. So again, no, I think he's uh, the perfect storm arrived for, for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray to come together and have that number one pick be a five ten quarterback it's funny about the height thing once it finally came out and then you go okay you know this is this is possible and um the batted down pass thing i remember that being one of the first things bielema told me about russell wilson is like we go back and we look at him like the guy never got any balls batted mm-hmm. down he just didn't he just mm-hmm. understood throwing lanes better and i don't know if that's a baseball thing or just a mm-hmm. hey i've had to adapt mm-hmm. my approach my whole life so i'm more prepared to throw with with these kinds of challenges but when he weighed at 207 that actually really surprised me because Sometimes baseball guys, it's, it's hard to tell how heavy they are because they're so thick. Like just mm-hmm. hardcore baseball guys, Russ has that too, where their legs and their thighs and their butt and everything is like really thick because that's where their power comes from. Mm-hmm. But when he was at 207 and I look at some of those pictures, I go, he must have drank 
so <laughs> much water, water, <laughs> water and just loaded up on on bag yeah. nets and water to to get and that, look that may not even matter and it's not like he was 185 and had 22 pounds on him that was fake but that was that actually ended up surprising me more about all this stuff but watching him play and watching how this league is adapted and everything it doesn't I I know five years ago we probably would have collectively gone oh I don't know I've talked to pro scouts that have said you know Oklahoma is doing something that's a little different down there and these yep. guys are better prepared for it so mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley deserves a ton of credit for that so it just whatever it is all these combining factors it's just I think all of us kind of getting caught up to date with what's happening now and and yeah I don't know the only thing I have hesitation about is it could really be this obvious by an organization that almost two months out we just thought they were taking this guy even though Rosen's there. Yeah, yeah, and, and to go back to your point about Russell Wilson, think about seven years ago, he was a third-round pick. And yeah. here we are, fast forward to today, and we're talking about the number one pick being shorter than Russell Wilson. And we were saying Russell Wilson, I said that year, he's the test case. If he doesn't work out and become a successful starting quarterback and a winning starting quarterback, then it's going to hurt quarterbacks that are 5'11", 5'10", whatever, under six feet tall. If he does have success at 5'10 and a half, 5'10 and three quarters, then it's going to open the door for quarterbacks that are that height now to uh, have a chance to be a higher pick. I never would have ever thought higher than the second round, not first round, let alone the number one pick overall. So, again, the body type, is it the same as Russell Wilson? No. Michael Vick, no. Uh, It did surprise me. I thought he'd come in at 195, 198. Uh, and, and then maybe he can only maintain that. And we don't know if he'll maintain 205, 207 through a long NFL season. We don't know that. Like I said, they you know, drink a lot of water, and some of those weights are, are manufactured. And then once the season begins and you get into October, November, and it's a long NFL season, they're down to whatever. But we'll see. But it's not going to affect where he goes. I think, like I say, Cliff Kingsbury, to me, if you have a choice and you're raving about Kyler Murray, you got him. You want him, you got him. And Josh Rosen, you trade him. I got to believe the Redskins. I got to believe Miami, New England. Somebody is going to be willing to go up either a first or early second round pick for Josh Rosen. Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I mean, it's just the competing teams and, and how many questions we have around the league at quarterback now. It's it's a small number, but I don't know, man. That would Maybe that's me holding out hope for him still figuring it out and not having to get his butt kick behind that offensive line. All right, let's talk about the other two quarterbacks here quickly then. Mm-hmm. Can sure. you you have Haskins in the latest mock draft up for Mel now on ESPN.com. You have Haskins going six to the Giants, and then you have let me just get there. Uh Drew Locke. Drew Locke going I'm missing here. Right? Thirteen. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you talk yourself into an ending where any of the three are the best of this class? Uh, well, I think Murray would be the wild card, and he's a separate entity, so I don't really rank him with the other guys. And then Haskins would be number one of the traditional guys, which Locke is. Daniel Jones would be third for me. I think Todd has Ryan Finley third. After, if you just take out Kyler Murray and make him a separate entity, right. um, as a unique, like I say, wild card. I think when you look at Dwayne Haskins, I would give him the edge. Even though he's a one-year starter, plus that Michigan game when he came in the previous year, um, you got to like everything you see. He dealt with adversity at Penn State when they were down 26-14 with 6.55 to go and had two touchdown passes to win that game. Um, he still has some things to work on as a one-year starter, and I think he will. He's a great kid. He loves to play the position. He felt like he was built to be an NFL quarterback, and everything he does is thinking about how I'm going to be a better and a great NFL quarterback. Um, work ethic is there. The respect of the teammates is there. With the coaching staff and the system all conducive to success translating to the NFL. Um, 
the Giants. That's what it is. It gets down to, you know, do they feel he's a franchise quarterback? They didn't with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen last year. And I think they made a mistake there. Uh, even though I love Saquon Barkley, but in the plan went awry when everything didn't work. They were trying to build around Eli. So now you're going to pass on a quarterback for the second straight year. And I don't have a problem if they do, Ryan, because they have to assess, Gettleman does, is Haskins franchise. If they don't think he is, and they think there's another franchise quarterback other than Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray in their draft, if it's Drew Locke, if it's Daniel Jones, if it's Will Greer, West Virginia, Ryan Finley, NC State, whoever it may be, if they feel they have a guy that they don't have to use that sixth pick on to get, then go ahead and do it. It's I brought up yesterday on uh, several times about Bill Parcells got a little cute, but he did it because he thought he was doing the right thing, obviously, when he passed on Matt Ryan to take Jake Long, the offensive tackle, then took Chad Henney in the second round, quarterback out of Michigan. It didn't work. Matt Ryan, you know, really good NFL quarterback, outstanding yeah. quarterback. Chad Henney, a bust. So again, you can get a little cute here and overthink it. But it gets down to, and that's what the Giants have to figure here, as Kingsbury does, do I want Murray or Rosen? Easy. Very easy. Make the pick. Here, you have to decide, is it Haskins or is it somebody else? And that somebody else, you have to know that I can probably get him at 17 or, or trade down and still get him. So you might think there's a guy, but what if he's gone? So, again, they have to get this right. They didn't get it right last year because they passed on two quarterbacks. Look like they're going to be really, really good in the NFL. Uh, they have the great running back, which is fine. But now they got to get the quarterback. He said, Gettleman did, that his formula is going to be copied after the Chiefs model of the veteran for a year, the rookie sits in red shirts, which is what? John Dorsey really wanted to do in Cleveland. That's why he gave up the first pick in the third round to get Tyrod Taylor thinking, I'll sit Baker for a year like they did with Mahomes and Alex Smith. Well, that went awry early, and Baker got in there, and the rest is history. So your best laid plan sometimes, Ryan. But I think their plan with the Giants is to do that. Well, if you're going to do that, you do it this year, and you draft a quarterback that you feel is franchise and you feel is going to be a really good heir apparent to Eli Manning. I want to talk about, as you mentioned, that Giants pick there at 17 that they get from Cleveland. There's a bunch of players that I feel like that are in this first round that you have that maybe a year or so ago we thought were guys that had a chance to be in the top 10. Not necessarily the entire D-line for Clemson, but you have Wilkins. Uh, if Farrell, you have him going 16. Christian Wilkins, 17 of the Giants. And then Dexter Lawrence, uh, the other tackle there, 19th to Tennessee. Did something happen with them collectively or one of them where none of them ended up being in the in the top 10 here because I think they at least maybe Wilkins was talked about being that kind of guy two years ago. He's still well, maybe, right? Now, there's a lot of mixed opinion on Christian Wilkins. He's very versatile. He obviously, he gets, he gets the coverage, hurries and sacks. Uh, he hustles. Um, he, is he going to be spectacular? Uh, you, you know, what kind of player is going to be with that versatility? Where is he best suited? How does he fit in best? You know, he could go top 10 because like I said, there are some that feel he is worthy of being up that high. Um, you know, I just think after all said and done, he may be a mid-first rounder. Lawrence didn't play at the end of the year, but I saw him against Pitt in that ACC championship game. Really you know, get the job done and play at a high level. We knew as a freshman when he was healthy how good he was and is right. capable of being. But so just I to think, jump in, with him not playing at the end, though, I yeah. mean, I feel like in NFL circles that doesn't really bother people as much as maybe no. it was a story, right? 
No, it didn't bother anybody. I think what bothers people is the fact that he's a 342-pounder that can be limited in terms of pass rush. We saw it with two Alabama kids when Sean Robinson and Jaron Reed were projected as ones, dropped to the second. These defensive tackles that back 10, 12, 15 years ago would have been really high. Now, if you can't rush the passer, then you're not going to go as high. And I think that's what they have to decide there. What kind of pass rusher? How much disruption will you get from these guys like Wilkins and Lawrence? Even Farrell, for that matter, with his wingspan and his length. Uh, people say he, he destroyed Jonah Williams in that game. Uh, you know, He didn't destroy Jonah Williams. I went back and locked, watched that game three times, Ryan, and it was one play where he embarrassed him where Jonah got off balance and he, and he you know, put him on the ground. Other than that, he came unblocked in the one time. Jonah pulled. He was unblocked. Other than that, Jonah did a pretty good job at left tackle, which he's not going to play in the NFL. Jonah's going to be a right tackle or guard. So for Farrell, I think he'll be a good player. I have Carolina taking him as the as a replacement for Julius Peppers. Uh, they need that type of player. That's kind of been a steady mock for for Carolina taking Furl. Um, but Wilkins is the one. If I just say one of the three, and Lawrence is a kind of a physical freak, running a five flat five oh five at three hundred and forty two pounds. That's unique talent. But I would say Wilkins is the one. Great character. You know, played went back to win a championship, and he did it. Um, has scheme versatility. I would say Christian Wilkins. If I had to roll the dice on one that could go higher than where I have him right now, it would be Wilkins. There's another name in there, too, that I think falls into this. That's Ed Oliver out of Houston. Uh, we knew about him coming in big time um, as, as a freshman. His year seemed to be disappointing for different reasons. Um, you know, I know the injuries and then, you know, the back and forth there. I don't know, you know, really what's real or what isn't. What are you hearing from teams and their, their concerns about him for, I don't know, look, he's still in mid first round here, but I guess I, I felt like there was a bunch of names as I was going through your mock mail where I go, wow, that's right. Yeah, this guy's dropped. This guy's dropped. Maybe it's just an extra year of tape, but I think for Oliver, there's more com, but there's a combination of factors there. Yeah. Three things I think uh, are in play with that Oliver. 287. When I talked to some GMs mid season, they were saying, well, he's going to be 272. And he's not going to be 290, 285. He's going to be 272, 275. He comes in at 287. Again, like we said with Kyler Murray, can you maintain that weight through the process? That will be there. His pro day is, is tomorrow, actually. And he'll be running. They'd run at the combine, tested out great athletically, tremendous upper body strength, supposed to run in the 4-7 range, which would be outstanding. Ed Oliver's a talent. Ed Oliver, I talk about, remember you always back in the day, Ryan, you remember a senioritis when the guy would be in the mm-hmm. senior and he'd say, hey, he's getting ready for the draft. Yeah, he already had those great years and now he just doesn't want to get hurt and he kind of like, you know, pulling back a bit. Kind of senioritis. Now you got this kind of third year sophomoreitis, fourth year junioritis, whatever you want to call it. They're thinking about the NFL that year. And I think for that team and then what happened with the coat, the, the jacket, the coat and all that with the coach. Bottom line is Ed Oliver, that, the not, and that's not going to affect him. Not being a closer finisher, getting hurries and getting disruptive plays, not getting the sack numbers that a guy like Aaron Donald did is a factor as well. Um, but he's a talented kid. He's a gifted athlete. And I think for Atlanta, who wants those guys who or those penetrators, upfield guys, next to Grady Jarrett. Uh, I think you could see Ed Oliver be a mid-first rounder. Okay. Um, this this class for playmakers here appears to be more about tight ends, not so much uh, wide receivers. And ultimately, you, you have Jacobs, a running back, going um, in the first round here out of Alabama. Yep. Is this a bad overall class for, let's just call the fantasy positions? No, it's a really good, it's a bad first round class. And I say that because you have Josh Jacobs maybe as a first rounder. I have him going to Oakland. 
Philadelphia could be in play there as well. Have him going one pick ahead of the Eagles, the running back from Alabama. Uh, Damian Harris, some think could be a first. I'm thinking more a second round pick. Jack Jacobs' teammate at Alabama, Damian Harris. And a lot of second or third round running backs like David Montgomery, Iowa State, Miles Sanders, Penn State. Uh, you know, Devin Singletary is a good back at Florida Atlantic. He ran four six six. Uh, that hurt him a little bit. Justice Hill ran great at Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, and he he's probably a third fourth round guy. And there's Ryquell Armstead, underrated out of Temple. And then Bryce Love, Stanford got hurt, as did Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma. They're good backs when they're healthy. They were hurt, so we'll see where they fall. But I think there's it's a real good second to fourth round running back group, and a really good second to fourth round wide receiver group. I think only two receivers at the most three go in the first round. Um, and I think Terry McLaurin, Ohio State, is a fast riser. I think right How now... How did that happen, by the way? McLaurin, I, yeah. I feel like no one talked about him all year long. Well, he had a lot of big plays. Uh, he's a vertical stretch guy, take the top off a defense guy. He was consistent catching the ball, had a great senior bowl week, uh, ran phenomenal. He's 4'3", four, 4'3", three, four, three, five guy. He's solidly built. He is a proven entity who, in an offense that they think translates to the NFL. And all of a sudden, now, when you're looking for that sleeper guy for the late first round, I put him in there. And then Lewis Riddick agreed. When we talked to Lewis this week, I was talking to he thought, hey, McLaren, he's, he's, his name's coming up a lot. And then I checked, yeah, McLaren's name is right there. It's kind of, people aren't, they don't want to mention him too much, which is a thing that you think he's going to go. So I think Terry McLaren's rising. I think another guy that is going to be interesting to see if they roll the dice in the late first round is Miles Boykin from Notre Dame. Physically gifted, athletically gifted. I'm a Notre Dame guy, Ryan, as you know. Watch them every play. He still has some things to work on. He's got to become a little more physical and take advantage of that power forward that he should be. And I think he'll de- maybe he develops that in the NFL. Maybe he doesn't. That I think will determine how good he is. But somebody may roll the dice on Miles Boykin late first round. But I think there's a, a host of second, third, fourth round receivers that are I think have a chance to be pretty good. I was talking with somebody the other day and it was, it was a, it's an NFL guy and it was, you know, me admitting that, you know, this is the sport that I don't understand as, as well as basketball because, you know, there's just stuff that happens on the field I still don't always understand. But one of the things I'm always impressed with is that Belichick just goes, okay, well, if this is the way the league is going, we'll go ahead and do this. And if this is the opponent this week, I've just never understood how one guy can seem to adapt more week to week than anything that I've ever seen. And one of the points that was being made to me was that, you know, one of the great things that he did was when there was a change defensively what teams are doing, he's like, okay, let's go with the two tight ends. Like, I'm going to go two tight end sets all the time. One guy can block. One guy can get into the slot and Hernandez, and, and that's that's how I'm going to approach it. And then it was just slot guy year after year after year. Let me get a guy who gets off the line of scrimmage because of the way it's called now. He can get free free releases, all that kind of stuff. When you have somebody like a Noah Fant, the tight end of Iowa, who – I think is described more as somebody that you can you can line up all over the field as opposed to that traditional tight end. Does he become more valuable in today's game in that slot, getting free, knowing that he's going to dominate most of those matchups and, and just be an outlet at times for any kind of quarterback? I know you have him going 30 to the Packers here, but has his skill set become more valuable in today's NFL? It does and it doesn't. Uh, uh, there's uh, wow. some, lu- some people who are lukewarm, and <laughs> I, I set that, that up so well, Mel. Uh, it, well, it does. It does certainly. I think on the surface, four five speed at two hundred and forty nine pounds, six four frame, looks the part. When you watch him at the combine, Todd and I were standing there watching him work. I said, "Man, he looks good." But you know what I want to see with with Noah Fant is more 
assertiveness, I guess is the word. Just to go yeah. out there and just take over and have that attitude that, hey, I'm the guy. And, act, and go out there like you're really you're passionate about the game and you just want to be the guy. And TJ Hawkinson took that role away from him this year. Okay? Mm-hmm. And who did the quarterback, Nathan Stanley, go to? He went to TJ Hawkinson. He had 10 more receptions in Fant for as fast as Fant is, 4-5. Hawkinson's 4-7. Fant averaged 13-3 a catch. Hawkinson was 15-5 a catch. Now, for Noah Fant, there were some drops during his career. He, you know, blocking's going to be something. He needs to step up there. He's a guy that should have been. And I kept saying all year when I was watching Iowa, he should catch. I would have targeted him, Ryan, to your point. I would have targeted him seven, eight, nine, ten times a game. I would have made sure he got five, six, seven catches a game. I'm looking, not many targets, two, three catches. You know, Hawkinson's the guy. What's going on here? Something's not right. When a guy is that skilled, playing at Iowa, where you don't see five-star recruits coming in there every year, and he's not being the featured guy. What's missing here? What am I missing? What's going on here? And all of a sudden, now Hawkinson stole that role away from, from Noah Fant. Then... You think about, okay, well, you know, you look at where is he going to be in terms of the draft? And I kept calling around because the mock drafts aren't about what I think. They're about mm-hmm. what the league's going to do. And I kept hearing, wouldn't surprise me, went early second, borderline first, fringe first. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I'm thinking mid first. Well, maybe I'll push him down to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers needing a weapon. And the one thing for Noah Fant that you have to also appreciate, despite the fact that he didn't have the main role Hawkinson did, he had 18 touchdown receptions over the last two years. That's pretty impressive. So a red zone threat he is. He's a talented kid. He should fit today's NFL perfectly. And for the Green Bay Packers, more so than New England, I thought it'd be a nice fit for there for Aaron Rodgers. That's why I gave him the Green Bay. But he's, he's one of those enigmas as Rashawn Gary is. Kind of a Jonah Williams is. I think there's a lot of guys, a Drew Locke quarterback, Missouri, an enigma, uh, who's kind of polarizing a little bit. I think Rashawn Gary is the most polarizing player in this draft, draft the defensive end for Michigan. So there's a lot of those guys, Ryan, that they're, I would say, mixed opinion on that are very hard to figure what kind of pro they're going to become. I'm glad you brought up Rashawn Gary because of all the Michigan games that I'd watch, I felt like I noticed him as much as anybody uh, you know, I could say that about Devin Bush, too, a linebacker. But the numbers, you know, sacks can be incredibly misleading, but when it's 10.5 over a career for Gary, is is this just really impressive? I mean, you still have him going in a top 10. Like, there's times where I'm like, this guy's a stud, this guy's a stud, this guy's a stud. And then, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder why there wasn't a little bit more production, even though I understand that a lot of this stuff can be misleading. Well, they say, well, scheme, okay, turn him loose, and all of a sudden, at 277 pounds, six foot four, with really long arms and tremendous four five eight speed, great upper body strength, phenomenally gifted athlete, number one player coming out of high school at any position. All these things add up to Rashawn Gary being yeah. a guy that you're going to say, when you turn on a Michigan game, Who's going to be the guy that's going to be wreaking havoc? These are against college players, Ryan, most of which are not going to be in the NFL, most of which Rashawn Gary should be dominating. I don't care if you're double team. You should dominate them. You saw Quinnen Williams destroying double teams. Okay, Bosa didn't care. You see great players not even worrying about it. These are college kids. Somebody say majority aren't going to be in the NFL. Won't even get it close to an NFL okay, situation. Yet he had 10 sacks in 34 games. Bosa had 17 and 29. Um Rashawn Gary is a guy who somebody's going to roll the dice on. All of a sudden, in the NFL, against the best tackles, guards in the world, he's going to all of a sudden be better there than he was in college against guys who aren't, at times, very good. 
okay? And he should be dominating. When I turned on Michigan, I saw Winovich making plays. Not getting a lot of sacks, but getting in that backfield, forcing quarterbacks to step up and move out of the pocket. It was Winovich, not Gary, doing that. Devin Bush was flying all over, making tackles, doing things. But Winovich was the guy affecting the quarterback at his spot, moving him off his spot. It wasn't Rashawn Gary. That's why he's, to me, an enigma. He's a guy, he's boomer bust. He's all the cliche terms, Ryan. Okay, roll the dice, well, guy, all those things you wanted to say, that's Rashawn Gary. And I think from a quarterback standpoint, it's Drew Locke from Missouri. Give me the pick that you have in the first round that you feel, because you're saying it's not just what you think will happen, right. but what you're hearing. What's what's the pick? You can't do Kyler Murray number one. Give me right. another one of the 31 picks where you feel like this is the player most associated with this slot. Say Devin White to Tampa Bay. Uh, they want to go defense. He, he's perfect for today's NFL. He's kind of Deion Jones, and Deion Jones out of LSU was a second-round pick. Really, now, if you redraft, it would have been a high first-round pick. You saw how instrumental and critical he is to the Atlanta Falcons' defensive success. When he was hurt, they were a different defense. He flies all over. And I think Devin White, with that 4-4-2 speed and the production he had, will be that type of player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I would say Devin White, Jawan Taylor, the tackle to Florida, really was always moved into Jacksonville and has remained there. Montez Sweat, another pass rusher for the Detroit Lions. Those were some of the ones I felt pretty good about. Uh, Drew Locke, I was debating where he would go. And like I said, for Drew Locke, Ryan, I'd be curious to hear what you think. Because I, I don't know what kind of quarterback Drew is. Some of you just say, it's nothing wrong saying, I don't know. There's some quarterbacks you just don't know. And you don't really have a good feel for. Drew Locke is one of those guys for me that I, I, I see the arm. I see what he did against Florida when he finally beat a, a top a team. He was 0-9 uh, going into that game, uh, and he lit him up, 75% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no picks. They went down to the swamp, and they won that game because of Drew Locke. Prior game against Kentucky, he was terrible in the second half, three or four deep throws out of bounds, uh, only completed 55% of his passes, you know, all three and outs galore in the second half. So, again, the, you know, there was some that Florida game was at his best. There were a lot of games where I didn't see it. Uh, but Drew Locke's going to go high, and he's one of those guys. You roll the dice on Drew Locke, yeah, he could be really, really good, or he could be a guy that say, boy, what was I missing? Why didn't he pan out like we hoped he would? So I think Drew Locke is the guy on offense for me. Rashawn Gary would be the guy on defense. I get all the traditional stuff of watching him and liking him and going, okay, you know, I get it. But I kind of hated Missouri in so many of the games this year. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if that's all on the kid there. In that spot, but there's just, it just felt like a lot of games where I'm like, okay, you know, if you're going to be a first rounder here, I think I need a little bit more. And if I were, I think the Dolphins are a really good point to make here, not saying that, oh, he goes 13, but if you're Miami and you're not sure, then you can't, you can't take him just as, oh, hey, we'll just, we'll just go grab the quarterback because we're going to need one after what we've done with Tannehill. We don't really have anybody on the roster that we're 100% behind. So, right. hey, our pick is 13. There's a quarterback available. Let's just go ahead and do that. I, I know that some people feel like just keep taking quarterbacks until you finally hit on one. Who cares? I would have to be more sold on somebody to take them at 13 than what I've seen. I would agree, and I think anybody that's taking a quarterback has to be sold. And there's no reason their quarterbacks, you know, you got to love them. And I understand the first round, you have other. This is a strong draft. You're not going to throw away a first round pick on a quarterback you're lukewarm on, or you feel like ah, there's some guys like him. I'm not sure. We'll take him and see what happens. Like roll yeah. the dice. You don't do that with a quarterback, especially some, in a draft. Some people this good. Some people think you should now because I mean, if you're going to screw it up when you put all the work into it. 
why not just go ahead and say, all right, we'll just keep, we'll just keep taking well, guys. Yeah. Here's so. that, that Ernie, of course, he is a good friend of mine and it came up with Ernie and he always said, Hey, if you draft a quarterback and it doesn't work, cut the cord, move on. Don't try to stick with a guy that you know, we just didn't get it right. Don't try to prove everybody wrong. Move on, bring another quarterback in. I think bringing in two is not a bad thing. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. If you're, if you want to say, I'll draft a couple guys, one early, one later. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's some cases where you want your guy in the first to say, I don't want to have any quarterback controversy here. I want to have my guy that I draft. You're the guy. And I'll bring in somebody else to be a veteran career backup with the old Josh McCown role, okay? But, or, or the old Doug Peterson role behind Brett Favre. But I'll, you're the guy. So sometimes you want to sell that guy and I'm not having any controversy. Or you can go the route of saying, hey, I'm going to draft this guy mid first, but I'm going to draft the guy in the fourth round too, and I'm going to let him figure it out. Like remember, Aikman was uh, was drafted, then Steve Walsh was brought in when Jimmy Johnson was there, and said, "Hey, figure it out. I'm I'm going to Miami guy. I'll see what happens." And then end up Aikman was better. They traded Walsh to New Orleans. So sometimes you can do that. So there's different ways to approach it. But I think I don't. I wouldn't take a quarterback that I didn't feel strongly about. Now, if I say, "Okay, I know this is kind of a crapshoot," quarterbacks are okay. I'll take the guy, even though I we like him. We're not. We're not. We're not perfect here. We could be wrong. But I'll take another guy as a backup plan that I really like, too, and see what happens. So you, you take multiple players in other positions. Why not take two quarterbacks and figure I'll get one in the first, one in the third, one in the first, one in the fourth, whatever it may be. I love them both. I really like these guys. And I'll see what happens. So, again, like old Gus Farratt and, and Heath Schuller deal, remember? Even a Kirk Cousins RG3 was more of RG3's injury. Allowed yeah, Kirk Cousins. I, but that you, know, one, you know what I'm saying? That, that one's too extreme for me, though. That that The RG3... Cousins thing. Basically, for it to work, it has to mean one is a total disaster. And if it's the mid-round guy, then that's fine. But if it's the guy that you put all this equity in, that's still not good for the football team. And it was kind of like some of the things people started throwing around last year where should the Browns take two quarterbacks? You're like, okay, this is ridiculous. No, no, sec- no, no. Because, no. because one of the guys will not progress the right way because you just, you just can't do it that way. So that's, that's an extreme. You know, I'm going through Drew's stuff again here. Mm-hmm. And I think once he got his brains beat in by some of the bad teams in the middle of the season, I was kind of off of him. But he did finish stronger, again, against not great competition at the end. He was really good in the bowl game. That's the defense there more at the end. But he, he you know, he got off to the good start. Middle of the season, it was tough against better competition. But he did he did finish stronger, uh, really starting with that Florida game. And then we yeah, all know Drew that Locke, the stats... Yeah. The yeah. stats are so good last year, but you know, again, sometimes the Mizzou system and everything. I, I, you know, I just felt like at the end of, of they had this just weird stretch where I was like, man, I just don't really trust this team all that much. But again, what was I supposed to think of Missouri? You know, it wasn't like they were going to win the East last year. Yeah, and then to finish up on Drew Lock, Manuel Hall was a guy averaged over twenty yards a catch, ran four three nine, great speed, but was hurt. And then when he was not in the lineup, that affected Lock. He didn't have his down the field threat, uh, and that was a factor too. And he did battle through that, and they did make plays late. He did have the great game against Florida, kind of defined him as a, I think, an early to mid first rounder. So we'll see. Somebody's going to take Drew Lock high. I thought about Cincinnati at eleven. Thought about Denver at ten. I'm interested to see if Elway, do you draft a quarterback for the next GM, or do you say, okay, I got security here that I know I'm going to be the GM for a while, I'll take him as the heir apparent to Joe Flacco. That's going to be interesting to see what Denver does, because you keep hearing that John Elway really likes Drew Locke. We'll see if it works out that he does take him at 10. Yeah, that would be... I would think it would make sense because of how frustrated they have to be in Denver of, of how bad the position has gone now, you know? Like, there's there's a couple there where I'm like, I can kind of understand what they were doing. Like, Simeon thought, or it looked like, okay, this is going to work out, and then he regressed. The Paxton Lynch thing I'll never understand. Some of the other stuff doesn't doesn't entirely matter. Like, Osweiler actually helped them, 
um, the first time around. So I, I have to imagine that Elway himself as a competitive guy is getting sick of hearing about how terrible he is at the position, which I don't know if that means that with Flacco there, he goes for another guy right. or if he's like, I don't even want to draft a guy in the first round right now if I'm not 100% sold so well, that I allow real myself Real quick, to be- Ryan, on this quarterback thing, this is just a couple things for you know, listeners to realize how, how quarterbacks are fragile position and you can be you can be the considered a quarterback guru or evaluator because you were lucky more so than really good. And you go back to John Elway. John Elway was a great quarterback, one of the best of all time. Paxton Lynch, they drafted. He didn't make it. That affected last year because instead of going for Josh Allen, they went for a position player, Bradley Chubb, and they brought in Case Keenum. So they went to safer. We got a guy who's already played. I'm not going to roll the dice. I could get another Paxton Lynch. So Paxton Lynch fails. You change your mindset. You go safer, you think, with Case Keenum. Pass on Josh Allen. That doesn't work. You go to John Dorsey, great GM in Cleveland, right, formerly of Kansas City. They had a strong interest in going and getting Paxton Lynch that year. They tried to get Paxton Lynch. Kansas City did. Okay? They didn't get him. The next year... They get Patrick Mahomes. Had they gotten Paxton Lynch at who they tried to get, they would have not have drafted Patrick Mahomes the next year. So all that story about what Kansas City was doing wouldn't have happened the way it did. So that's, again, we go back to like when Drew Brees was in Miami, would have been at Miami instead of Dante Culpepper. Nick Saban would have never coached at Alabama had that happened because Miami would have had success with Brees and Saban would have probably never left Miami and never been in Alabama. So again, you think you're, you're really, you think somebody's really good at evaluating quarterbacks? No, they're not. They're probably just really fortunate that the guy panned out and we're going to say, okay, over the long haul, can he get it done year to year? Probably not. He just had some good fortune and that was the case obviously with Kansas City that certainly is I think the case all over the league where you might hit on one but doesn't guarantee you're going to hit on the next guy and again uh, that's why evaluating quarterbacks now probably as difficult as it's ever been and it's always been challenging Ryan but right now it's not easy no not at all all right I have a couple quick ones to go here before we say goodbye Mm -hmm. because I really appreciate your time today Mel sure biggest disagreement you've had with McShay and a guy this this season I guess I don't really know because I don't look at his stuff and uh, you know the podcast. Go, you guys are doing podcasts. Right? Yeah, you but I don't. We don't. Guy. He always. You know, you know, Todd. You know, we're all friends here. Yeah, yeah, we're all. And I can tell you, he tries to pick a fight. Okay, he's always trying to pick a. He's fight. always been. He's from Boston. He, yeah, you know yeah. him. And, and I always say, and I think I don't know if it's real or he's trying to just. He knows how he can irritate the heck out of me. Okay, he gets me all riled up, and he loves getting me all riled up. Todd loves doing that to me, and he knows how to push the buttons with me. And you know, and I just sit. I don't know. I, so I would say with him, I'm just looking here. Yeah, because sometimes I'll. It's great because I'll put a guy in. Oh, you're crazy! I'll see you next mock. He's got the guy going there. So it's like oh, okay, you know, go. one of those things. So you give yeah. me grief, and then I'll. I, I'll tell you a couple. I don't know the McLaurin thing if he'll agree or not. He cover he covers obviously a lot of Ohio State over the years. I don't know how he'll feel there about McLaurin. Um, I don't know how he'll feel about Chris Lindstrom, the guard from Boston College, going to twenty one. Whether he'll think that's too high, I'll find out. Oh, I'll tell you a guy. He I know he. I'm not so, and he'll always tell you this, right? Oh, Kuiper loves him. He tried to make me into like Daniel Jones, thinking Daniel Jones was John Elway. I never said that. I just had Daniel Jones as a quarterback ahead of Ryan Finley, and he liked Finley. It doesn't mean I think he's the next standout quarterback in the NFL. So he's always pinning this Jones thing on me. But Brian Burns, <laughs> Brian Burns from Florida State. I know Todd says doesn't translate. You know, you talk about speed, the power, and uh, yeah, he's not that kind of guy. He's a speed rusher. He's not a power guy. He, uh, Brian Burns is Vic Beasley. He's Bruce Irvin. That's who he is. I have him in the mid first. And Todd didn't seem to be sold on Brian Burns. Um, 
I'm not sure on Lindstrom. And I, you know, like I said, Jonathan Abram, uh, safety Mississippi State, I think he likes, but I have him in the first round to the Eagles. We'll see. But I, like I said, he doesn't look at my stuff. I don't look at his stuff. We have podcasts and we go back and forth and we, we say, oh, you really believe. So I, at the end of the day, I really don't know, uh, you know, who he loves and who he doesn't love. And I don't think he feels he knows. He, he always wants you to think he knows what I'm thinking, Ryan, but he really doesn't. All right, we got there, though. We got a couple names down. Uh, all right, final thought here. Do you think Josh Allen from Kentucky will suffer in the draft this year because of what Josh Allen has done from from Wyoming? Well, so why would he suffer? <laughs> I'm just totally messing with you on the last question. <laughs> well, Josh Allen's a franchise quarterback. They hope they get a franchise player in Josh right. Allen there. Right, I mean, right. Buffalo's, just... Buffalo's thrilled with their guy uh, that they got. Uh, you know, we'll see what the Jets – I don't know what the Jets are doing at three, Ryan. Are they trading the pick? Uh, are they keeping the pick? Everybody seems to think they want to trade out a three and move down. They don't have a two, uh, and that will allow somebody to jump in and get Dwayne Haskins. We'll see you on that. But Josh Allen's a heck of a player. He went from seven sacks to 17 sacks. He became unblockable. He's got a great attitude, great approach. Uh, you know, Oakland would probably love to have him at four because they need that guy to make up for Khalil Mack's loss. I, somebody, if, if, let's face it, Ryan, if Haskins and Murray go in the top three, a pretty good defensive player is dropping to six. So again, you know, you can't have them all go. If two quarterbacks are going in the top three, you got Bosa, Quinnen Williams, Devin White, Josh Allen. That's four for three spots. That means at six, the Giants all of a sudden are going to end up with a pretty good defensive player. Always great to catch up with you, man. Uh, I miss, I miss running into you all the time and hopefully, uh, you have another great draft. So Mel, uh, thanks so much. Any, Ryan, anytime, pal. Always a pleasure. So we got our life advice guy coming up. Before we do that, who knows? We may hook him up with ZipRecruiter if he needs a job. I think his financial situation is pretty good, but here's the deal. We know that hiring is challenging. Took me forever to find my Saruti. I was able to do it. If I'd used ZipRecruiter, maybe I would have found him earlier. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple. We know where that is, and it's fast, it's smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. You've heard us talk about them for years. The place is ZipRecruiter.com, and then you want to hit slash Ryan Show. Here's what ZipRecruiter does. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Think about that. You have this issue. You have a job you need to fill. You're worried about how long it's going to take. In the past, it could take forever, multiple interviews, all these things. ZipRecruiter is saying they are doing this at an 80% rate. 80% of employers who post get a candidate they'd want in that first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. That's R-Y-E-N Show. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I would just walk in and go, what's the plan, bro? Why are you sleeping until 1? We need to start stripping it back down to the base. It's your life and our advice. Let me fix your life, not just your back porch. Okay, so this is the first installment of this, and I think a lot of the hardcore sports people are going to go, oh, this is ridiculous. But you know what? I know a lot of you really well, listeners over the years, I think a lot of you will like this. So that's what we'll do. When we do these and we do the updates with our new clients, we will do it at the back end of all the podcasts so you can get all the sports stuff 
or you can hang for this at the very end. So our first guy is a guy named Frank, and this is the email that he sent to Saruti. Again, you can hit us up at ESPNLifeCoach at gmail.com. Hey, guys, guess I can start with a little background. I'm 29, the vice president of finance for a company in a smaller market. Okay. I've been single now for about two and a half years, and I'm probably a little too into dating apps. Over the last couple of years, I've conservatively taken out 350 to 400 girls from either Tinder, Bumble, or Hinge. I've dropped over 25,000 on complete randos. Clearly not the best retirement plan, but some decent stories. Wait a minute. So the guy's in finance, and he's admitting that this isn't the best way to spend 25000 So maybe he's loaded, or he doesn't close as many deals as his, his shop. The main reason I'm writing is because I can't find a reason to stop doing what I've been doing. I'm surrounded by married people, and it seems like everyone's unhappy. I honestly don't see why I should be sprinting to get married or settle down. Sure, there's positives about being in a relationship, but it's also pretty great being single. Not against dating. May just need some solid advice on why I should settle down. Appreciate any ideas. Frank joins us now. What's up, Frank? Not much, man. How's it going? So my first question is, did you really want help with anything, or did you want to brag about <laughs> the fact that you've taken out 400 girls in the last couple of years? I would say maybe a little bit of both. I mean, That's who doesn't like. want to just, yeah, you know, I mean, why not throw it out there and just get it out there? But uh, no, I mean, I think some solid advice on it would uh, would benefit me, because like I said, I've got a lot of married buddies, and uh I just had a call last night, for instance, and uh, had to listen to some of his stories. So it is how it is, and being single is pretty good, though. Okay, so you just seem to be the guy, I'm, I'm assuming, too, especially down uh, down south where people get married younger. I, you know, I don't know if those are all. It yeah. just always has felt that way to me whenever I've traveled. It's not a good thing, not a bad thing necessarily, but it seems to be the reality down there. So every one of your friends are married, and you're 29. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm surrounded. I have no single friends, actually. Okay. All right. So, um, did some research. You look like a good looking kid. Uh, so, you know, just, just throwing <laughs> it out there for people that are listening. So, you're, you're good at this thing. And is it that you enjoy being single? Do you kind of have this self worth thing that if you're with an attractive girl or you have a lot of girls that are interested in you, does that make you feel better? And it's okay because I've gone through that phase and maybe I'm still in it. But, I would say that, you know, that can be that can be something that can get in the way. Like, is that how you feel? Like, do you feel great when you have a good-looking girl next to you? I can't lie and say no. I mean, obviously, you like to surround yourself with attractive people. But at the same time, I also just like meeting new people. Uh, whether it's I'm out traveling and I'm in Tulsa or maybe I'm in Dallas, something like that, and can hit up somebody and say, hey, you know, let's go have some drinks and uh, see what's going on. So it, it's fun. It is. But uh, I, I do see how settling down uh, would be good. I'll put it that way. So it sounds like it's not even that you – maybe you are addicted to the dating thing. That's a lot of dates. So two and a half yeah. years. Like I did some of the numbers. If, if we're – although I only averaged it out. That's like $60 every meetup. So I'd say on yeah. the high end for just a drink – yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense about $60 because the... Well, here's the thing. Dinner. I would say, if you want to say dates, dates, I mean, we're talking closer to probably seven, 800 I don't call going out, meeting someone, having a couple beers, a date. I don't really say, like, that's a date. For me, like, a date is going to be go out, dinner, drinks, go out for a nightcap. It's a full deal. And that's going to, you know, that's whenever it starts to run up in the the 200 plus area so you've been on 800 dates in two and a half years 
plus minus. Like, yeah, definitely. I'm, yeah. So you are pretty addicted to this then. Yeah. The, all right. So we're going to have to, like, I'm, this sounds a lot like the guy, like, I don't think you can be just totally into heroin and then join CrossFit the next day. You know? <laughs> this is true. So this is true. It sounds like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a real judgy guy when it comes to this kind of stuff, but that seems like a massive number to me. I can't imagine wanting to spend that much time with strangers, but you really do like meeting yes. new people yeah. that much. I can do, I'll put it this way. I've had several times where like 10 girls in one week and do that for two straight weeks. So you meet 20 people in 14 days and yeah, it's exhausting. It really is. And you want to talk about actually having to be able to have a good conversation with that person and listen to what they're saying, take it in, digest it, and then be able to also remember it for maybe uh, a second date or going back out. So it is, it's like, it's mentally and physically exhausting doing it. <laughs> All right. Every, every guy listening right now is, and girl is, is wondering what the follow-up question here is. And that is, the beyond the date thing and I you know knowing the corporate structure of how things work I have to right. look at here uh, <laughs> but it, it would sound like the way you're phrasing this is that you're spending a lot of intimate time here with with these numbers as well is that a correct assumption uh, well I mean it's hit or miss on that you know I'm not gonna go out and give you a kill count or anything but it's uh phrasing. that that's just hit or miss you know Right, right. Okay, that, all right. So and that's not what I'm looking for, though. Either I'm not just out well, there searching it, for it. That, that no kind offense, of happens. Frank. It it kind of sounds like that's what you're looking for, though. If you're <laughs> spending this much time doing this, like you just admitted yourself that this is exhausting. I can't fathom having this many phone numbers in my phone well, and being like, I've "Oh, got okay." Five hundred two contacts. I, I looked it up and counted for you. I've got five hundred two. Just that I, and that's just ones that I've kept and not deleted. Not to mention, you know, whatever on Snapchat or whatever. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, I can right. admit that it's ridiculous. Okay, so you're you're doing this right now. We're still at peak Frank, correct? Oh, yeah. I literally just got a couple more from Dallas, like, today. And wow. I, that's five hours away. Now, I've never done a dating app because I'm on television. Sure. And... <laughs> I'll admit that there was a guy recently, a pretty successful guy, that was like, "Hey, you got to try this thing." And I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I, I just, I've just never mm -hmm. really felt like I wanted to do that." So I'm not. Um, certainly, that's not judging at all. That is me. Just, I don't. I get it without getting it, even though I've, I've never really necessarily done it. Here's the thing: Can you have you ever gone and had dinner by yourself and watched a game? Oh yeah, all the time. You I can do that all the time. Yeah. Okay. Because I have friends that can't, like, physically can't do that. And when I would say I love going, well, I'd have to out of necessity. But uh, when's the last time you just were by yourself for a week? A week? Uh, yeah. Have you gone a week? When's the last time you went a week without a date? It's been a hot minute. Like, physically not meeting another person. It's been I, – I will do this. I will take some time off. Like, I will take maybe – Three okay. weeks and oh, only okay. <laughs> three weeks and see like one or two people and that's about it. And, All right, so and that's kind of about as long as I'll go. So as we get all the backstory to all this stuff, um, mm -hmm. the only way I could really figure out 
how to help you would be, what do you actually want? And it doesn't sound like you want to change this up at all. And it doesn't sound like you want to be married. And that's fine, man. I had a freak out the other night where I was just sitting at home going, wait a minute, you're 43. Like, is this what we're really doing? Yeah. We're not going to have kids. We're not going to do this. And you're 29. So you shouldn't be freaking right. out about it. And I'm sure somebody older than me is going, why do you care? You're 43. Like, you'll figure it out or you won't. But th- there's real, I think when you're a self-aware person, you have these real moments where you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this what I'm doing? Like, is this who I'm going to be? Like, do I like this? Do I not like this? How can I improve the situation? Or am I just going to be stubborn? And we all kind of like built this way where we all kind of go back to what we end up doing. What I can tell you as a guy that's been single this long is this is not built up or it's not built this way like you do not prefer that a bunch of men are running around not settled down without a family they want us all to have more responsibilities and that's how we all calm down and we're not vikings and how society kind of operates all right so that's that's step one uh i would never especially with everything you've said i don't think any guy should worry about oh, I'm worthless because I don't have this, or I don't have a family, or I don't have these. Like, society can put that on you. Your friends can put that on you. Your family can certainly put that on you. But it doesn't sound like you want any of that stuff. So even though married people can tell you that they're miserable, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen to you. But it just doesn't sound like there's nothing you've said, Frank, that makes me think that you want a family and you want a wife anytime soon. So to tell you to just stop going on dating apps would probably be asking you to do something you still really enjoy and may not be that big of a deal despite the massive numbers and anxiety that would cause me that I'd have that many people trying to reach out to me in the same week. My thing is I'm just super picky about who I actually date. Are you? Who I'm you with. Just, yeah, you, I, I am with who I actually date, date, settle down with because that is something that, in okay. my eyes, the next person that I do you know, date for a period of time I want to be with. And I am, it's, it's hard when you're 29, man, almost everybody's either been married, has a kid, or it's just one thing or another. I'm, I'm rough with the baggage side of things. Um, I try to avoid issues like that. Um, so and, what, what's baggage kinda, to you? What's baggage to you? Baggage Are you just ruling me? out people? So you're okay with spending time with anybody, but not necessarily more time than that one time. Uh, yes, basically entirely. Like I will go meet somebody and just to see how things go. And then if it goes well, then yeah, sure. Let's go do something else. Let's hang out, uh, later on. But if it doesn't go well, that's kind of, I don't invest much time after that. I will always be nice. I've never just gotten up and left or anything like that. And I'll always send a follow up. (laughs) Hey, you know, it's good to see you. But it it sometimes never... just doesn't work. And it's been like that on both sides, too. I mean, sure. I've had a few that I had a great time with and just ghosted. So it, it it's not many, but it does happen. Hey, man, we, we all can't be DiCaprio. All right, so here's here's it. Do you still like somebody that you used to date? Uh, Is that man, the problem here? I dated here? someone for like four years. But no, she, I mean, literally moved to Australia. So entire so no hang up change. There's no hang no. up there. That was a long time ago. Okay. All right. So no, it's not that it's literally just, I'm so damn picky about who I actually want to settle down with. Do you want to move? Like maybe it'd be better not being the, the big fish, the dating big fish in, in, I don't know how big the town in Arkansas you're in is, but would you? Uh, it's Northwest Arkansas. So, I mean, combined, we've got about. 500,000 people in the in the little probably 30 minutes or so so it's not massive by any means do you want to move somewhere else then do you want to try out frank in a bigger city here i've entire i've thought about it 
so much. I'm just, I've got a good job. So it's one of those where you're like, okay, do I just basically scrap this part of my career, then make a change entirely? Um, you know, I've, I've thought about it, but I do like where I'm at. Okay, so that's always a tough one, right? Because you go, right. here are the things I like about this situation, but if I force myself to improve the other part of my life, will the rest of it catch up? Okay, and that's, I none of us know that answer, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, it can't always sure. work out for everybody. I mean, and, you literally just did it, though, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I had been planning this for a really long time. You know, in okay, however... Whether I knew I was doing it or I subconsciously was making every decision that led to this, I ended up knowing, like, I go, oh, wait a minute, I did all of these different things in succession because I knew what I was doing, all right? So I I think what you always have to do is you kind of look around and you go, okay, can I live in this situation? Do I feel like whatever version of me that I can be happy with, can I do it here? Because clearly the social part of it, you're not happy. Like, even though this is fun and there's probably guys listening being like, this is sick. Again, I don't know if you sent in the email because it's kind of a funny story and we're going to get some reaction to this, but yeah. I I think it's both things. I think it is kind of fun to do what you're doing, but sure. I, I think what you're saying is you don't want to be 35 and, and have this run where you're still doing the exact same thing. And No, definitely not. So if you already know that, then it, it sounds like you're either going to try something new in the same town or try something outside of, of where you're at. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like I do, you know, one of the things that I look for is someone that has a stable career. Basically. Um, I don't really want to just go in and just go all out with somebody that doesn't really know what the hell they're doing necessarily. That's something. Another reason why I'm a little bit picky is I'll find someone and maybe, some aspects are really great. You know, I can work with it. She can work with me. And, uh, then I find out, okay, yeah, but there's this. And that's one of the things that really gets to me is I I do want someone that, uh, you know, likes to, likes to have fun, likes to do things, but also, you know, they've got a good job and, and that's, that's something that I do look for just for a future, you know? Yeah, but that's, that's fine too. Look, I've done the same thing where I go, Hey, I want, because of my family, I want somebody that has a perfect family, and then I meet somebody that has a perfect family, and then I come up with another mm-hmm. reason, okay? Or I'll say yeah. this person has to have this kind of job because the person I dated before didn't have this kind of job, so now they have to have this kind of – and then I meet somebody that has that kind of job, and I'm like, oh, it's, dude, it, it ends up all coming back on you, okay? It all comes back yeah. on you. So if you're sitting there going down this list of baggage and all these things that they don't check, you know, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, there's things about me mm-hmm. that wouldn't be a positive, okay? And – I could have a girl say, oh, I want to meet somebody that's totally knows what he wants. Be like, not a guy that moved to LA to be a screenwriter while he was in the middle of a really successful career. So that could be either a check that's a positive. Wow. He's so driven. He wants to be even better. Awesome. Or Jesus, why can't this guy just be happy with everything that he has and finally be content at some point in his life? So what could be a negative for one could be a positive for somebody else, but what you can't do and you're going to end up, it's like, and maybe you're too young for this this Seinfeld reference where every single person that he dated, <laughs> he found something that was wrong with him every single time. Yeah, it was just yeah. a show no, that they I remember, through. yep. Like, you're going to have to figure out a way to accept things that you don't necessarily want to accept on paper because the soulmate can be there, but the perfect checklist of all the different things doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. And whether it's 
the way we talk about players or talk about relationships, like waiting for perfect is kind of stupid. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And I think for our next update, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do one week where all of the dating apps are off your phone, and then we'll check in with you. Okay. I can do it, man. No, you can't. (laughs) I'll try my best. How about that? All right. So we'll check in with you in a couple weeks. We'll see how that week went. And um, I don't know. We'll see if people like this segment or not. And if people hate the segment universally, we won't even call you back, Frank. But it's been really nice talking to you. (laughs) I know. It's just all on me, but I, I do appreciate the call. All right. Now, we will check in with you again, and you're really good at this, dude. Seriously. So thanks. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Hey, before we say goodbye, I want to thank everybody for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Please do that as much as you possibly can. Um, We had a huge last quarter, and it means a lot. And I know it seems like we're doing that sporadically, telling you how great we're doing, but it's worth it to tell you that you're the reason we are doing so well. So that's awesome. And it was cool doing the back and forth thing with Zach. I want to thank Zach Lowe and also our department people for putting that all together. And it was just smart. And, you know, it's surprising, I guess, still a year plus after the radio show, how often I'll hear, hey, I didn't know you had a podcast. Well, there's nothing we can do um, unless we're trying some different things. And, and teaming up with Zach was uh, was a really big bump for us. So that was great. So make sure you check out this week's episode of The Low Post with Zach Lowe. He's got Howard Beck of Bleach Report talking all things NBA, and that's, of course, as we head to the playoffs. So have a great week, everybody, and uh, I'll be back.